Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bootleg Football Podcast. Uh, very special newsy edition. A uh, lot going on in the NFL offseason this past kind of week or so. Uh, I know we promised that we were going to be wrapping up our draft recap series with the final division, the NFC West, but too much big stuff has happened for us to ignore all of it. We have a huge show today talking about a record shattering, like not even breaking, but just flat-out shattering contract for Patrick Mahomes over in Kansas City. We got Cam Newton being a new Patriot, replacing Tom Brady, who's now in Tampa Bay. And we have the uh, Washington, we don't really know what to call them yet, uh, probably, most definitely going under a name change over in D.C. So a lot of huge uh, league-shaking things happening for one reason or another around the NFL. Uh, EJ, before we get into it, how are you doing and what are you drinking tonight? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing just fine. Uh, summer weather has finally graced the Pacific Northwest. That's what happens in July. So we've had a, a few nice days in a row. And uh, getting outside, doing some of that, enjoyed a good holiday weekend. And what I'm drinking is a bit of a change-up. I am drinking an orange seltzer tonight. And everybody's going to say, EJ, what kind of hard seltzer do you like? And it's not a hard seltzer. It's just a seltzer. But no, I'm taking a break. I'm going to I'm gonna change it up for about two months. I'm going to go 60 days and not drink anything with alcohol in it. Everybody says, is that a health thing? Is it because you had a problem? And the answer is no, neither. It's just good to, uh, as my buddy Mike says, and I have to give him credit for this, uh, tap the check liver light on the dashboard every once in a while. Make sure it still <laughs> functions the right way. And, uh, you know, clean yourself out. And people say, oh, but summer, it's the best time to drink beer. Well... I've quit it lots of different times throughout the year for different periods. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's six months. And there's never a good time because I love the winter beers. I love the fall beers. I love the summer beers. I love the spring beers. So uh, as a lover of beer, I can tell you one thing for sure, though. Um, water, no matter how you dress it up, is a whole lot less interesting than a beer. So um, I will not be giving you a review of the seltzer. Uh Everybody should know I'm fine. I still love beer, and I'll absolutely go back to it. Um, wasn't any massive incident that caused it. It was just a, hey, let's give this a try for a couple months. So we'll go 60 days and see how it goes. But uh, it's refreshing on a summer day, but yes, I do miss beer. So uh, in terms of NFL news, like you said, 
Lots of big stuff. NFC West fans, take heart. We will absolutely get back to our draft recap. Too many good players in that division to to not do that and finish strong. Uh, but for this week, uh, yeah, there was some small document signed in Kansas City that uh, shook a few Twitter handles today. I mean, the the first thing that I saw was Pat Mahomes signing a 10-year deal, which by itself was, whoa, because there's only been a few of those in the history of the NFL. The last one, I think, was, what, Donovan McNabb back in 02? I think yeah, was, was the most 12. recent one. You know, so it, it's been a while. I mean, even Tyron Smith, who had an eight-year deal, and then I guess plus two extra years of contract control, like that was the closest thing that we had seen. But this is a full-on 10-year extension on top of two extra years of contract control. So he's not even going to be done with this deal till he's 37 so they basically made him a chief for life after three seasons in the league, which I have never seen before. But if there is one quarterback that is worth a potential half billion dollars in total valuation, and I can just I, I can go through uh, the deal that uh, Tom Palacero and, and Ian Rappaport. I mean, we're talking over 140 million just in injury guarantees. A potential payout of $502,631,905 to the penny. $477 million in cash. I mean, it is a behemoth of a deal. So we're talking about a quarterback making a half a billion dollars over the next 10 years before we even get to endorsement money. And I was kind of going through and, and just looking at, at things that are uh, less expensive than this contract. You know that he could buy the Anaheim Ducks for less money than this contract is paying out. Like, let's just ignore that taxes are a thing. Let's just say he hit all his money in the Caymans. <laughs> the Anaheim Ducks are valued at $480 million. He's getting more than that on his first contract, assuming he plays after 37, which very well could. I mean, quarterbacks are doing that now. Plus endorsement deals. Like, this could be the first billion-dollar NFL player. I, I, it's It's remarkable to me. And here's the thing it's still probably a bargain. Yeah, if it goes down the way they structured it, it absolutely could be. And there was a lot of speculation. You may have seen it if you followed uh, the entire contract saga unfolding on Twitter in three acts today. We'll talk about that. Um, but a lot of people were very surprised when the news came out because, again, it's never complete when the first release comes out. They're not going to give you all the details, all the stipulations, all the grants, the bonuses, all that. It's not going to happen. But a lot of people were amazed that Mahomes would have signed a contract of that length without any tie to cap increase because the cap, as we know, has been going up pretty steadily and uh you know they stopped signing contracts that didn't somehow account for that inflation about 10 years ago so everybody was like oh no he set the nflpa back like a decade how could he ever do this and sweetheart deal this and that well of course all the details hadn't dropped about the fact that a it's an extension b there are a bunch of clauses which again still all haven't been revealed at the time that we're recording uh that give him uh some control some outs um, he's got a no trade clause in there. He's got a bunch of power that wasn't initially reported because it's never initially reported. But in terms of the scale of the thing, um, Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network, who's a guy we met at the Senior Bowl and an analyst we both followed for a while, tweeted out today that in 1997, the Packers gave Brett Favre a seven-year contract worth in total $47.25 million. It was a league record at the time. 
<laughs> 23 years later, Patrick Mahomes is a $45 million a year for 10 years quarterback. But even then, when you saw, when you first saw the like, quote unquote, confirmed numbers of basically minimum 45 a year, was I the only one that was like, that's it? <laughs> well, not exactly. I think uh, but for over you know, 10 years, you know, if it, we're talking like a four year deal, it's like, okay. But for 10 years, 45 year, I was like, okay, like that's all of a sudden now yeah. we're looking like a bargain. Yeah. NFL fans have gotten pretty savvy about contracts, I think, um, besides the few who don't realize that some that don't realize that they're not guaranteed. But he does have a lot of guaranteed money in here. He does have an injury guarantee, I think, of $140 million, which is a pretty nice little nest egg. Not that we want to see Patrick Mahomes get injured, knock on wood. We want to see this guy play football for a long time because he's extremely good at it. But uh, there was immediately that call on Twitter that you talked about that, wait a minute, three years in, this is going to be, you know, three, four years into a 10-year deal, this is probably going to be a bargain. Like, how did the Chiefs get away with this kind of highway robbery? Well, of course, details come out later that, you know, there's some more control. You know, he looked to renegotiate. It may be tied to cap. Um, again, none of that stuff is completely confirmed and won't be for a while. But yeah, in just the base number, uh, I think there was a pretty quick reaction that, wait, that's a lot. But you're talking about, you know, the best at the highest paid position right now. Uh, wait, that's that's quote unquote all he got. And uh, later in the day, after <laughs> after the extra numbers dropped, um, Ted Wen, uh, who's another guy we met at the Senior Bowl, who's great, uh, terrific follow on Twitter. If you're not following Ted, you should be. <laughs> said so. Dak says, "Fine, just give me the original Mahomes contract." <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it wouldn't be the highest paid contract, and and down we go. And I know you how pissed the Cowboys got to be right now, though. Like, yeah, uh, but they they really made their own bet on this one, right? Uh, I think it was Will Brinson on Twitter today that was like, "Sign Dak before Patrick signs. Sign Dak before Patrick signs. Sign Dak before." Uh, whoops. And now, now the genie's out of the bottle. And, you know, but it, the same thing, another one I saw, and this is my buddy Ross Reed out of Chicago, uh, said today, you know, stop saying that Patrick Mahomes reset the QB market. He didn't reset the QB market. He's a superstar. Nobody's in his league. Deshaun Watson is going to be the next one to reset the, the pure QB market. Right. Mahomes just did his own thing as, you know, I know Cam always called himself an entertainer, but Mahomes is he's bigger than just a football quarterback. Right. And we're going to see that brand grow steadily because of personality, because of on field performance, because of his sort of just easygoing and relatable manner, like all that stuff ties together into He's unique. There's nobody else like Patrick Mahomes in the sport right now. So he didn't really reset the QB market. He just got paid for being the best at the best position. And I don't think anybody else, any other quarterback and their agent can legitimately walk up to their team right now, their owner, and say, I deserve Pat Mahomes money, like with a straight face. Because the answer is, I don't care who you are. I mean, even guys like Russell Wilson, right, who probably is doing more with a lot less than Mahomes has. Because I was thinking about this one earlier, and I was going to ask you, if you could take the – now, 
quarterback notwithstanding, just quarterback agnostic, if you could take the Chiefs offensive roster or the Hawks offensive roster, who are you taking? Oh, Chiefs all day. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't even really have to think about that, right? You're no. like, O-line, definitely Chiefs. Running back, probably Chiefs. Wide receiver, definitely Chiefs. Okay, you know, tight end, definitely Chiefs. Okay, we're done. Coaching, right? That's the whole offense. definitely Chiefs. Now, but I'm not even <laughs> talking about coaching. I'm just talking about straight-up <laughs> offensive roster, which is what a quarterback largely has to work with, right? So the argument would be, look, Russell Wilson is doing more with less or or as much, not more, more is incorrect. He's, he's not doing more. He's doing uh, a tremendous job with way less offensive talent on his side than Mahomes, who is doing more. If you absolutely add it up, he just won the Super Bowl and his offensive stats are greater. But look at the talent that surrounds him. Again, neither part of that is the quarterback's doing or fault, right? But you could argue if you're Russell that you're doing a lot with not nearly as much on offense, but you're still not going to go in to ownership's office and say, I deserve Pat Mahomes money. You could say, I need to be the second highest paid quarterback and have a legitimate argument, but you're not going to go in and say, you need to set my deal according to Pat's deal. Like yeah. th- there's just, I don't think there's any straight face justification for that. He he was to use somebody who I've watched a lot more than, you know, just cause my age, I got, I've gotten to watch a lot more Aaron Rodgers than I have Brett Favre in my life. Pat Mahomes you know, kind of early 2000 or early 2010s Rodgers, who was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Pat Mahomes got to peak Rodgers level within his first 12 starts and exceeded peak Rodgers level within his first 20. If that's not worth half a billion, I don't know what is. We're talking one of the yeah. greatest quarterbacks ever. And within his first 16 games in the league as a starter, he was matching that. It's it's yeah. unprecedented. It's unprecedented, and that's why it's an unprecedented contract. We've never seen this before. Yeah, I I don't know that I'd go straight line on the fact that after you know one season he was as good as Peak Rogers. I don't think that's true. But what I haven't seen any of, and this is extremely notable, especially just given the size of the deal, right, and how young he is, I have not seen one person say. Uh, but is he really worth it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that tells you all you need to know. That tells you all you need to know. I've seen some people say, wow, that sure seems like a high percentage of Kansas City's cap, which is always going to come up in contract language. But no one has gone, oh, you know, any any average quarterback could put it up with Andy Reid coaching him and all that offensive talent that we just talked about. Like, nobody has said that. I have not seen one person that said that and there's a lot of people on twitter strangely enough uh but that's really 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 telling is that everybody's like yep pay him what you need to he's he's the real deal god i i as a texans fan i'm oh i'm dreading the ramifications of this but i I guess we'll find out whenever deshaun secures the bag himself uh and i think deshaun will again (laughs) back to what ross reed said like I think Deshaun will reset the quarterback market, but he's not going to reset the NFL market. And that, that was Patrick's job. And again, if you're Deshaun, can you legitimately go to the Texans, who's ever controlling that purse at the particular moment, right? And say, you know, that Mahomes money, that looks pretty good. I want that. 
right? That I mean, even as a starting point, if you know you're going to get knocked down, it's a little silly. There'd be some giggles and they'd be like, okay, here's the real number. We're, we're just kidding, right? There's Oh, believe me, they'll ask. <laughs> oh, sure. They, they will. will ask. <laughs> they will ask. Money makes the world go around. And, and speaking of money, we got to pay some bills here. Uh, and so before we move on to uh, Cam becoming a patriot, I do want to thank this week's sponsor for the show, Purple Mattress. Purple Mattress is one of the most innovative sleep solutions on the market, and they have their own patented technology to prove it, the Purple Grid. That grid relieves full body pressure no matter your size and no matter how you sleep, whether you're a side sleeper, back sleeper, the dreaded stomach sleeper. I don't know how you people do it, but I know you exist. My wife is one of them. And because of the open air channels within the grid, it adapts to your natural shape no matter your size while neutralizing body heat so you can stay comfortably cool all night long. I can tell you from experience myself, having felt that grid, it is way, way more supportive than what you might think when you're first looking at it. There's all these open holes, and you're like, no way that that's going to hold me up. And then the moment you put pressure on it, you're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Physics. It's it's really a remarkable design, and, and you've got to experience it for yourself, because it doesn't look like it makes sense, and then it does. And in fact, Purple is so confident in this mattress design that every single order comes with a 100-night risk-free trial. And every single mattress also ships to you for free, right to your door. And at the end of your trial, if you're not completely satisfied, they will come pick up your mattress at no cost to you. So if you want to try it out for yourself, go to purple.com bootleg and use promo code bootleg. And for a limited time with that code, you'll get $150 off any Purple mattress order of $1,500 or more. Again, that is purple.com slash bootleg, promo code bootleg, for $150 off any order, $1,500 or more. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to Purple again for sponsoring this week's show. Uh, And I kind of do want to move on to maybe the opposite end of the spectrum uh, when we're talking about value. We talk about the most valuable athlete on the face of the earth at this point in Pat Mahomes. How about maybe one of the uh, biggest bargain basement bin fines, or however you want to phrase it, in Cam Newton signing for basically pennies over in New England in, in an equally Super Bowl-ready roster. Um, two very different approaches between these two AFC powerhouses. One of them has a young quarterback that they believe in to be their franchise guy for the next 12 years, paying him more money than everybody's ever been paid uh, in the history of the sport. And the other is a former MVP, former superstar, former highest paid quarterback, uh, who unfortunately due to injuries kind of got jettisoned from Carolina, in my opinion, maybe a little bit prematurely. As much as we love Teddy Bridgewater, I I felt like Cam deserved another year there under the new regime coming in with Matt Rule, but we know Matt Rule, he, he always shows up somewhere and tears it down to the studs, so... Uh, unfortunately, part of that plan was letting Cam Newton go. And so now he's he's kind of trying to restart a second chapter of his own superstar career. And so he's making, I think it's a max of $1.7 million in New England this year. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what, healthy Cam Newton, uh, if he's on the field and he's playing, $1.7 million is the best bargain, uh, best value, I'll say, out of any quarterback in the league because he is an MVP-type talent, again, when he's healthy. And if you're getting from him for $1.7 million, with that roster, there's some problems. I'm not going to pretend there aren't problems, but that is a Super Bowl-ready team with a healthy Cam Newton, and you will never convince me otherwise. Yeah, let's just call it what it is. He's making punter money. 
right? <laughs> He's making like mid-level punter money. There are punters out there making four million a year. So I, it's amazing to me, and really the sort of undercurrent of this move and so many others of the Patriots regime over the last really two decades is Belichick wins again, right? He sits on his hands. He doesn't do anything risky. He waits and waits and waits and goes, eh, you know what? What if he's healthy? What if he's motivated? I've been looking at this mobile quarterback thing kind of longingly for the last, oh, four or five years, but hey, I had a Hall of Famer running my offense and we made some pretty good runs. I think I'm ready to try this, right? I'm, I'm pretty interested with what, you know, Harbaugh is doing with Lamar in Baltimore. I'm pretty interested with what Sean Payton's doing when he doesn't have Drew Brees on the field and Taysom Hills out there. Like, I let me get one of the best mobile quarterbacks ever in the history of the NFL. Hope that he's really, really motivated, really pissed off, really healthy, and can help me just continue this nice little run I have of tearing a new one through the AFC East and, and getting to the AFC Championship game. Oh, just about every other year or uh, slightly more often in certain periods. <laughs> um, there's a lot of, uh, what do you want to call it? Dialogue, I guess. That's that's a pleasant term for it. There's a lot of talk, a lot of garbage, quite frankly, that gets tossed around about Cam Newton because people don't like the way he dresses. They think he's eccentric. He said, I want to be a superstar before he was ever in the NFL. That really turned a lot of old school NFL types off. Um, you know, I, I want to be an entertainer, I believe was the quote, right? I want to be more yeah. than a football player. Um, that stays with people and people are, uh, I would say more ready to discount Cam Newton's accomplishments, which are legion. Like this guy has a lot of NFL accomplishments. It was, his career is not a flash in the pan, right? At peak Cam Newton the NFL had never seen anything like Cam Newton, right? We were talking about Steve Young earlier, right? He was Steve Young plus like uh, 50 pounds. Like right? a little bit of Randall Cunningham to him, a little bit of uh, Derek yeah, Henry so, to him. <laughs> so big, so fast, uh, yeah. very smart with the football. And we'll talk about that a little bit in terms of scheme fit. Like peak Cam Newton when he was hitting on all cylinders was – I don't want to say unstoppable, but very, very difficult to stop. And I would say impossible to stop completely. You could contain him. The best defenses did. But if you let him off the chain a little bit, he was going to wreck your entire day. Now, is he that player anymore? Probably not due to injury. Is eight-tenths of that still, especially with the New England roster as it exists, good enough to wreck the AFC? It is, right? If, if you're getting 80% of peak Cam Newton, uh, that's going to be plenty, especially with somebody like Belichick calling the shots. So uh, I, I just think a lot of people say a lot of things about Cam that they either haven't researched or they don't believe or they just don't care and they kind of want to slander Cam Newton, right? They just want to say, oh, he's a bad teammate. He's not committed to football. He's dumb. None of that stuff, if you talk to people that have spent a lot of time around him, especially his teammates, none of that stuff holds up. He's incredibly committed to football. He's very, very smart on the football field. Uh, you know, he is a very good teammate inside the building where it counts, right? 
all the public persona, flashy clothes, all that stuff. It doesn't, he's not trying to set himself apart inside the locker room where it matters with his teammates. So sort of one by one, all those things that people like to throw at the wall and see if they stick with Cam Newton sort of fall away. If you listen to the people who have played with him year after year, folks like Greg Olson, who spent a long time in Carolina, he's like, look, Cam is an excellent teammate, right? He is super committed to football. And if he's healthy, New England got a great one, not a good one, a great one. So I just think there's a lot of narrative that gets built up around Cam. And the bottom line is, look, we've seen some of the workout videos. Workout videos are workout videos. If his health holds up on the field for whatever kind of season we're going to see in the NFL, I would not be very excited to be in the AFC East. I would have thought, hey, I've got a chance against Jared Stidham. And that chance just went down if it's a healthy Cam Newton leading that team instead. I... Uh, I'll I'll just say this because I think beyond the misconceptions that you uh, perfectly highlighted in terms of personality and commitment and intelligence and everything like that, like he's really smart, really committed. Like er everything that people think they know about Cam Newton is generally wrong. Great football player, great leader, great, great teammate, brilliant tactician on the field. He is more like Tom Brady in his play style than people realize. And when I did an episode of the film room on the Panthers offense, before Norv Turner had even called a game yet, this was kind of in the transition period between Shula and Turner. And I was highlighting a lot of the problems with what Shula was doing and how I felt Norv could fix it. And the key message of that episode was you have to let Cam play like Tom Brady. Let him spread defenses out. Let him use the quick game. Let him use his brain because he's very good at finding matchups and exploiting defenses. He's not a great deep ball thrower. He's only had two years in the top 10 in terms of deep ball accuracy. Um, it was 2012, and then it was when he still had prime Steve Smith, I believe, on that team. And then it was 2015 where he just absolutely went bonkers and won MVP. Every other year, he had very, very poor deep ball stats. He's never really been a great or consistent deep ball thrower. What he has been is very consistent in the quick and intermediate game, very consistent in no huddle, very consistent in up-tempo. He plays a lot like Tom Brady mentally. He's got a better arm. He's more mobile. You can do some crazy stuff in the run game with him, but as a passer and as somebody who sees the field, he plays like Tom Brady. When you look at when Norv Turner came in and did a lot of the things that I was hoping he was going to do in that episode that I highlighted, they focused more on the quick game. He, I think he was uh, dead last among starting quarterbacks, if I remember correctly, in terms of deep ball attempt percentage. Like They very rarely threw deep in those first nine weeks of the season when Cam was healthy. I'm not even talking about after he got hurt, when he couldn't throw deep. When he was healthy, they almost never threw deep. His yards per attempt was under seven. Like his volume passing stats were not very good, but efficiency wise, he skyrocketed 15 touchdowns, four picks. He was ninth in the league in accuracy. They had a plus one turnover margin per game, fourth in the league. They were 10th in red zone trips. They were fifth in red zone scoring percentage. They were 10th in time of possession. They were, um, if I remember correctly, six and two at the time when he took that hit from TJ Watt that kind of ruined his season. So they were a winning, efficient football team that prioritized the quick game. They prioritized running. They prioritized time of possession. They prioritized protecting the football. 
Cam can do that very well. He's proven he can do that in Carolina before he got hurt. That's exactly what the Patriots want him to do. He fits them perfectly, and he's dirt cheap. Like, I get there's not a great uh, array of weapons there. I get that the offensive line without Dante Skarniecki, we don't know exactly how well they're going to perform because the last time Skarniecki retired, it went to hell in a handbasket pretty quick. And, I love uh, that. The last time Skarniecki <laughs> retired, the kids have been like multiple times, right? So we have to clarify it's his most recent retirement, not the one before that. Yes. Uh, and I get that Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu, and I guess Jacoby Myers would be their fourth guy, unless you like Marquise Lee that much. Like, not exactly the greatest wide receiver core in history. But when you look at the wide receiver core that he dragged to the Super Bowl in 2015, they this is still probably better. So I, I, it's it's perfect. I, I think the Patriots are once again with this one move the the favorites in that division. As much as we like Buffalo, they're the favorites. Yeah, I, Cam is an A plus distributor um, for that offense. Right, he his distribution, his smarts, his pre snap reads, his ability to get it out quickly are all like you said, massive fits for what New England wants to do in terms of their efficiency and. Then there's that wild card thing. Oh, yeah, if he's healthy and you drop eight, right? Yeah. Oops. And there's a five-yard gap in front of him. He's still freaking Cam Newton. He's going to take advantage of that. You could get away with that with Tom Brady because you had to make it a 15-yard gap before Tom would take off. And he it's... wouldn't get super far, <laughs> right? But if it's a five-yard gap and Cam Newton's healthy and takes off through that gap, you're going to be really sorry you left it there. Like he's it's like Brandon Jacobs, you, you know. It's 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 brutal to tackle. Absolutely yeah. brutal to tackle. I, I think that's changed a little bit, certainly with the injuries, and I think they're going to be careful with Cam in that way. But you can't tell me that, again, if everybody's locked because – the defense is giving him a matchup and the matchup is him versus seven yards worth of air before anybody can react. He's going to take it. Right. Yep. And that is not something opponents of new England are used to. So here's this guy that distributes, like you said, very similarly to the guy that just left and went to Tampa, but can run, um, but has a better arm, but is uh, taller and bigger. Like he's just, there's more of him right and if he's healthy and can move a little bit he's gonna he's gonna be that distributor plus the plus in the a plus is he's gonna add that dimension that they haven't had even if it's only you know belichick's great at sprinkling in a few meaningful attempts of something a game to really break your soul and (laughs) if he runs newton three times a game and Newton averages like 11 and a half yards a carry. It's going to be three easy first downs that sustain drives. And maybe he breaks one for 20, 30 yards. I don't see Cam galloping 75 yards anymore, but you know, he breaks one for 30 yards and rips off a third of the field because again, you're used to containing Brady and knowing that he won't run. And now you can't be so sure. So that's the plus in the A plus distributor for the New England offense. Yeah, it's oof, it's gonna be brutal. Um, I, I did before we kind of get out of here for this for today's show. I did want to talk about a I, w- I don't want to say a more lighthearted topic because in the end I, I do think it's a it's a <laughs> nope, good thing. It's not. 
Yeah. It's a good no. thing, but it's definitely a heavier topic. But I think it's good for the league overall, um, and it's a step in the right direction. Uh, the Washington football team, which I'm allowed to call them Washington football team because I don't think their name is going to be Redskins anymore. We don't really know what they're going to be called. So for now, uh, I'm just going to call them Washington football team. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be changing their name after a hell of a lot of corporate pressure did what public pressure could never accomplish and that's get them to review their name and and really, I think, commit to a rebrand is what it sounds like. FedEx put a lot of pressure on them. Nike put a lot of pressure on them. And uh, I, I've said many times before that billionaires only listen to other billionaires. And uh, it, it's amazing what happens uh, when corporate sponsors kind of throw their weight around. So it, it sounds like potentially before even the start of this season, we're going to have a new team name over in D.C., um, there, there's been a few that have gotten a lot of traction, uh, some that I like more than others. The one that I really, really like is uh, the Washington Red Tails, which I guess would be a similar color scheme, not that different of a in terms of rolling off the tongue. Like I don't think it'd be that hard of a transition. Um, but historically speaking, I think the significance of the Red Tails name to America, you know, to to a team that is playing in the nation's capital. And the role that the Red Tails, which was another nickname for the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, you know, one of the most famous, not just Air Force units, but military units in the history of this country, um, the, the significant role that they played in this country, especially in World War II and, and breaking racial barriers and really just defending this nation. I think that would absolutely be a fitting name for a team based in the nation's capital. Um, I, I can't really think of anyone better than the Washington Red Tails, if they so choose that. Yeah, I, uh, first off, it's, uh, I want to say it's about time. It's not about time. It's way past time for this to have happened. Um, this has been a, a stain uh, on the league, uh, in my opinion, for a long time. And we'll be uh, relieved, I think, uh, if it finally happens. I'd love to say, happy or, or joyful, but it's just kind of righting a wrong that's been going on for a long time. So like you, I really like the Red Tails nomenclature. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, nod to a very important part of history. Uh, somebody got towards me on Twitter and said, well, that's Alabama history because obviously Tuskegee is in Alabama. It's the base where they trained before they went to Europe and fought. I said, look, that's not true. It's national history, right? Belongs mm -hmm. in the nation's capital. So that's the, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of names. Uh, I'm hopeful <laughs> it is 2020, but I'm hopeful that the name can't be worse, uh, that they will erase that and, and pick something that's better. Almost anything would be better, but Hey, 2020 has been a, a mother so far. So, uh, you know, could be that they'd screw it up worse, but I don't think so. And if they make a positive choice, I think Red Tails is a great one. Um, tremendous unit, tremendous history, um, would fit very well and naturally, I think, in the nation's capital. In a much less insignificant part of the debate, um, I would love it. The aviation nerd in me would love it. Um, the Red Tails, notably, once they moved to Europe, were provided with P-51s, Mustangs, one of the most beautiful planes ever designed. So the idea of 
the P-51 being incorporated into their logo in any way, uh, whether it's silhouette or actual picture, uh, has got me just super excited. And just as a sort of show of solidarity, if they choose Red Tails, I'm buying something. I'm buying oh, a yeah. hat. I'm buying a jersey. I'm buying a t-shirt. I'm buying something. Even though I'm not a Washington fan, I did spend a little bit of time growing up in D.C. Uh, this was really early before the the big Super Bowl runs in the 80s. Um, but, you know, familiar with the team, familiar with how it runs that town. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I, you know, so uh, they say, you know, so go the Redskins, right? Or as the Redskins go, so goes the D.C. sports scene. Um, it's changed a little bit with the addition of the Nationals. Um, you know, people used to follow the Orioles because uh, that was the nearest baseball um, you know, the Bullets, who were renamed the Wizards, uh, really never ran it. The Capitals are nice, but it's hockey. Um, you know, the Redskins were the team in that market. They're the, the dominant team, and they've sort of been down for so long that, uh, you know, a healthy Redskins team, it's the right time. Like, Ron Rivera comes back. They change the name. I could see him going on a run. Dwayne Haskins showed some solid development in the second half of his freshman year in the NFL, right? Uh, there's just a lot of things that could line up and make this uh, good in more ways than one. My tiny, tiny, tiny little quibble that nobody cares about, but I'm going to bring it up because, hey, it's half my podcast. The <laughs> red tails were red. <laughs> they weren't maroon. I realize if they want to stick with the colors and there are other teams that are red and that would cause some confusion. I get that. But the red tails on the P-51s and the other planes that they trained on were red, bright red, like fire engine red not maroon so i'm fine God, if games they stay against with the maroon. chiefs are gonna be a nightmare <laughs> no no and and falcons and look red is a very popular color because look it's an aggressive color it looks great on jerseys it pops it sells a lot right there's a lot of teams that are red for that reason and like the nationals if you're talking about the baseball team also feature red very prominently so you know i get it that they may want to keep the maroon just for history's sake and I'm fine if they do. I just want to put that out there. But everybody's like, oh, the colors are perfect. I'm like, the colors are close. <laughs> so, <laughs> colors are close. I, are. I will say, even if, even if they don't choose Red Tails, by the way, I encourage you listening out there, go look up the accomplishments of the Tuskegee Airmen. Like, we're not talking just about a, a, an air unit that was famous because of, like, breaking color barriers or anything like that. Like, this was an elite fighting force. These dudes were badasses. 179 bomber escort missions over Germany, which, again, was bomber missions were heavily, heavy casualties were common in those because German anti-air capability was astoundingly good. They only lost uh, bombers on seven missions out of 179. The average was 46. Like, these guys were ridiculously good. And, And I... Again, it's I can't think of a better name in terms of celebrating the history of this country um, and just kind of where we've come as a country. Uh, I I truly hope they do they do pick red tails because I, I again I'm with you I'm buying a Chase Young jersey day one if they change the name to that or, or really just change the name to anything that's better. Like, yeah, I'm, change the name to anything I'll support. <laughs> right, it doesn't have to be red tails. I'm not that picky. Just get rid of, you know, a racial slur that you've had as your name for a very long time that I've found in personal conversations with Native Americans universally offensive. 
I have never had a conversation with anyone who's in a tribe, and this is East Coast, West Coast. Um, I used to live on tribal land in, in Washington before I was in the house I'm in now. Like, I have never run into anybody and brought it up in conversation and not had them be full of distaste. Uh, you know, borderline outrage in some categories. I've never had anybody go, you know, it doesn't really bother me. Like, <laughs> no one said that. It's in my in my personal experience, it is universally offensive to folks of Native American descent, period. So if they get rid of it, I'm happy. It doesn't have to be red tails. I'll buy something. Absolutely. At least uh, at least we're getting something good out of 2020. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do you say we get out of here? Uh, I, for once, oh my God, we're keeping a show under an hour. See, it is possible when we're not I, I don't even recognize the minutes on the counter of the audio. I'm like, <laughs> what, what is this? There's no one in front of it, right? Or we're not we're not getting towards a two in front of it. Um, no, that's fine. It's uh, sort of a breaking news edition. Happy to be able to come to you on the very same day of the Mahomes contract. Uh, this will be out uh, tomorrow, day after. So um, thanks very much for listening. Uh, all you NFC West fans, we appreciate your patience. Won't be long. We're probably going to record that one tomorrow and get it out by the end of the week. So stick with us. Uh, we've got some really cool ideas for the summer. We know there's not going to be training camp, but uh, plenty of interesting NFL content. So uh, follow us both on Twitter, follow the show on YouTube or your favorite podcast outlet. Um, and until then, which won't be very long, uh, hang tight, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. See you later.